The 2023 Senior Bowl is in the books. The NFL Scouting Combine sent out their invites today. And Jeff Risden's going to join us to talk all things Detroit Lions coming up next on the Draft Countdown Podcast. Tonight's edition of the Draft Countdown Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bosarge, joined, as always, by my co-host, Shane P. Hallam. Shane, 77 days, 22 hours, 58 minutes, and 27 seconds away from the 2023 NFL Draft. That we are, and Senior Bowl, like you mentioned at the top, is in the books. You had a great week there in Mobile, where you live, and we had some great podcasts last week, so you can go back and listen if you want, and boom, you know, scouting combine, like, just comes right out and we're right into it and that that's kind of the last big step here it's getting close no days off shane the good news no, is no. My, the good news is my voice is almost back to normal the bad news yeah. is i can't move my left arm so oh. <laughs> yeah, baby steps i guess is uh, right is right right once well, you know we'll just keep going around the body here and shutting <laughs> things down that's what we're going to do. Uh, if you've got any questions and you're live in the chat right now, feel free to ask those questions in the comment section. We'll get to them later on in the show. If you're following us on Twitter, if Twitter's working for you right now, we really don't know. Uh, ask a question at Draft Countdown. And uh, if you're not a member of our Discord, you probably should be here pretty soon at the rate Twitter's going. And uh, go ahead and uh, join our Discord app. You can go to DraftCountdown.com. It's a link in the top right-hand corner. Sign up. Let's talk some football excuse me, football and NFL draft there. So, Shane, uh, we didn't talk about it last week because, like you said, we were all things Senior Bowl. So, after the AFC Championship game, NFC Championship game, we'll update the draft order here. The Cincinnati Bengals, unfortunately, will be picking 28th. And the uh, we did talk about this a little bit last week. The New Orleans Saints will now be picking 29th in the first round after a trade uh, with Denver that acquired Sean Payton for Denver be head, head coach. Denver acquired that pick from Miami for Bradley Chubb. Miami acquired that pick in the Trey Lance uh, deal. So New Orleans, if you're keeping up at home, is now picking 29th in the draft. Yeah, yeah. So that, that pick's already been moved around a ton, so you know it's getting moved on draft day at least once, right? That's that's how those, those picks work. <laughs> that certainly seems to be a fair uh, guess. But Shane uh, – Let's go ahead. I know we talked a lot about the Senior Bowl already, but let's just put a bow on it here. We both kind of finalized our recaps now. We've, we've, we've gone back and reviewed all of our notes from the week. We both got, you know, articles uh, capping off the Senior Bowl. What are your final takes uh, on the uh, Senior Bowl game? I 
think like every year, more players hurt them, uh, help themselves than hurt themselves. I think that's always a key when we talk about these games, that it was helpful for a lot of prospects to come in and see what they could do, see what they could do outside of the system, see these receivers run a full route tree. Like I, I think that's the key to remember is this, this helps players more than anything. Um, I, I think my other big takeaway is just how strong the class is in, in the trenches, the offensive line of the, the edge and defensive line prospects. We saw it at the senior, but we saw those prospects be really good. And I think that shows you the strengths of this class. So if you're a team that needs help on the offensive line, especially the interior, if you are a team that needs help with the defensive line position or needs a pass rusher, this is going to be a good draft for you. I think the senior bowl reinstilled that. It's just a, it's a piece of the puzzle. It's a small piece of the puzzle that we, you know, add up. I know right now what I'm kind of doing is taking the all-star games, what I saw at practices, what I saw in the games, comparing it to my notes, who didn't match up, like who was much better than I thought was much worse than I thought. Let me go back and watch them in the games again. I, th I think that's a key piece to these all-star games. It's not just how you do, but it's okay. What I miss here, let me go back. It was just a bad week. Is there a difference? And that's what really has changed. We're going to make changes to our boards. Our big boards are going to come out next week. Um, th that's really what's going to be the big determining factor for me. Yeah, mine will have massive changes from the last one. Massive. As uh, I haven't, I think you've put out one much more recently than I have. So I will definitely have, after all the entire season, all the All Star uh, events taking place, mine will see humongous. And obviously, there's a lot of players that were on our last board, Shane, that aren't in this draft class anymore. Right. So right. We, got, we got to get them gone, right? And uh, get, get them out of here. Uh, I think my biggest, one of my biggest takeaways, you said the offensive line. This was my third year calling the game on the radio, and this is the first of those three years where it wasn't a complete domination by uh, each team's opposing defensive line. Uh, the offense, while there was a couple of pressures and some sacks in this game, uh, the offensive lines mostly held up and, you know, took control of the football game. So that was nice to see. Uh, you mentioned that you don't real, rarely see anybody hurt themselves in this game. I In my column, I did have five players who I thought stock came down. But that's not to say that their stocks won't go back up, right? You know, I, I mentioned Isaiah Foskey. I just did not think he had a good week this week. You know, as a guy who was supposed to be a first-round talent, you know, you know, came in the season, potential top 15 pick. I just didn't think he played like that this week. And my grade's going to, you know, and I'm – it's going to reflect that. Uh, same thing for Andre Carter's another guy I thought was a first round pick, but his, you know, lack of strength got exposed. And as I said, in my column, I think somebody said, you know, because of the, I can't remember who said this, but because of the, what the servicemen have to maintain their regiments and whatever, you know, it's hard for them to be SEC strong, right? They can only do so much. So that might have an effect on why Andre Carter's not, weight room strong already and a team that drafts him could also almost be like taking a red shirt year on him you know bringing him in along slowly as a situational pass rusher and then cutting him loose in 24. I, I think it's a good thought uh, that he he just didn't seem quite prepared I think even late in the season kind of fell off a little bit 
the combine is going to be a great opportunity for Andre Carter to kind of bounce back. And I think someone like Isaiah Foskey bounces back, right? It's not, you know, the stock down. I mean, honestly, uh, uh, we don't have to do too much because I, I know it's a pretty deep conversation that happens, but a lot, I think a lot of the players that skip the game, like not the game itself, but the whole entire week of the senior bowl uh, missed out. You know, if you're Will Levis, if you're there and maybe he was hurt, I don't know. You know, he, he dealt with injuries this year. But even if you're showed up and Hendon hookered it, you know, you're going to help yourself. Like, he would have been by far the best quarterback in this game. By far. And I think it would have been good. So, you know, I really hope the senior bowl is able to stick. We had so – you talked about it um, on Saturday. So many players just not show up to the game or leave Mobile before the game even happened. Weren't even on the sideline. Um, which, you know, is a little scary for the future of the game. But – ultimately I think more people should play like it's, it's not going to hurt you um and when it when it does hurt you can make back up pretty easily in your memory of senior bowls have you ever seen a player get significantly hurt during the game um no like Aaron, outside of outside of injury I don't Aaron Colvin is the only one I've ever seen get hurt and that was in a practice and that cost him some yeah. rounds and but that's the only one in my all of my years going to senior bowl I can remember ever somebody suffering an injury that took them out for their rookie season. And just I don't get it. That was I was on many a radio show this week, Shane, in the Mobile area, and that was a big topic of conversation. Was the number of players? I think the final number I had of players that practiced in the game at least one day and didn't play in the game on Saturday was thirty three. And it was evenly split. It was 17 from the national team, 16 from the American team. So, you know, but it just hit certain positions hard. That's why we saw Ja'Korian Bennett from Maryland, uh, who's played corner his ent- almost his entire career for the Terrapins, uh, was playing safety during the game because they had no choice. And he, and he did well. So that's another thing right there. He was yeah. able to show that in the game. And, I mean, even guys like McClendon Curtis from Chattanooga played, started a guard and then played tackle and, you know, struggled a little bit of tackle, but like, who cares? Right. He played excellent at guard. That's, that's, that's all you need. And now you have some versatility, you know, Jacorian Bennett plays well at safety. Now you're like, Oh, you know, here's a versatile player that we can plug in. I think it helped those players, even if they didn't do great. So I, that's why I just don't, don't get uh, not participating at all in the all-star circuit. Another big topic of conversation this week was the attendance at the game, which was not great. Um, Now, I will will say this, still higher than the East-West Shrine, probably triple that of the NFLPA and higher than, I believe, the Hula Bowl. But you move from a bigger stadium to a smaller stadium and you have yet to sell out said smaller stadium. It's an issue that brings up a whole great number of issues that I may or may not have a piece that ever sees the light of day because it might disparage me in my home community here. So I'm debating on whether I want to publish it or not, but I, I have some thoughts and a lot of people in mobile might not like them. So we'll see if that ever, like I said, if that ever sees the light of day, but a man who did see a lot of light of day, especially on Tuesday at senior bowl practice, along with myself, is my main man, Jeff Risden. He is the head honcho at Lions Wire, and he's the co-host of the Detroit Lions podcast, and he is my good friend, 
Jeff Risden. Jeff, man, how the hell are you? It is good to be with you. Uh, my, my sunburn has finally faded. I'm kind of sad about that. I, I loved getting down there. Uh, so I flew home. I, I live by Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, and I landed, uh, what was that? I don't even remember what it was. But it was nine degrees here when I got here. <laughs> you saw it was, I think, 65 degrees here for the game. Not a cloud in the sky. It was beautiful on Saturday. You should have stayed, Jeff. You should have stayed. You're not wrong. I should have stayed. <laughs> All right, Jeff. First off, let's get the hard hit, hard hitting question out of the way. How many ounces of Smoothie King did you consume in Mobile? <laughs> Two hundred. That's a lot. Yes. That's a lot. I had a forty every King. day. Forty Man, ounces of Smoothie King every day. Forty ounce Smoothie King every day. <laughs> I got, in my I, defense, though. That's all I ate between when I got up and dinner on three of those five days. That's fair. Jeff, first question I have for you of, on a serious topic here uh, involving the Lions. Uh, we had a conversation in the bleachers the other day, and I just want to bring that one to light. 18th pick of the draft. You are 100% on board with taking Anthony Richardson, the quarterback from Florida. Absolutely. Uh, without hesitation. Like, no no doubt in my mind. It, it's a lottery ticket pick. Um, it's it's technically the Lions pick because, uh, you know, they, they finished great and the Rams stunk and the Rams wound up getting the sixth pick. But you've got a you've got an extra first round pick. That is when you take your chance to get who could, a guy who could be could be a I don't say transcendent talent, but a better talent for today's NFL than the quarterback that you've got. And the quarterback that you've got is Jared Goff, and he's very good, and he certainly deserves to be the starting quarterback in 2023. His contract is very manageable through 2024. But at that point, you're going to have to make a decision on Jared Goff, and I would love for them to have an option in-house who's ready to roll in case Jared Goff wants $47 million a year, um, which based on how he played in 2022 – he could get. Uh, I don't want. I don't want to keep banging the you know, the, the way that Kirk Cousins has been in, in Minnesota. Uh, I want to have some stability. I want to have some succession plan in there. Aside from the fact, Jared Goff is literally the only quarterback that's under contract for Detroit right now. Everybody else is gone. Nate Sudfeld's gone. Thank goodness Tim Boyle's gone. We're, we're done with that. They they haven't had a developmental quarterback in a very long time. I would like to see them get one. But also a guy who can come in if, if Goff, God forbid, gets hurt, who can make things happen. And the, the progression and arc that I saw from Richardson from week one in college to the end of the season, while it wasn't always a steady climb up, I mean, there's some you know, peaks and valleys in there. He did a lot of really good things at the end of the season that he wasn't doing at the beginning of the season as a brand new starter at a, uh, I don't want to say, rough Florida program, but they're not, they're not the Florida Gators of your, they're not your older brother's Florida Gators. Uh, that That's not the best SEC East team that we've seen in a while. I think that the fact that he got better with the talent that was around him, that, that speaks to a guy who's, I, I like it. I, I think he's going to wind up becoming good. And I'm willing to take that risk with a bonus first round pick. That's some damn Grand Canyon Valleys right there, though, uh, Jeff, you described. Yeah, the, the, the bad is definitely bad. 
But again, that's why you can do it because you're the Lions. You've got Jared Goff. Jared Goff was a Pro Bowler, deserved to be in the Pro Bowl this year. Uh, but you're also looking at Jared Goff, who wasn't good for three of the last four years before that. So I want to have I want to have the insurance, the upside, but also like the long term development, and not have to rush him onto the field. If you don't have to play him in 2023, I think that's the best case scenario for Anthony Richardson, and I, Detroit gives him that that potential. So, so Jeff, I, I I kind of feel like a lot of the teams in the first round that have multiple picks uh, almost kind of stockpiled them in case they would need to move up for a quarterback this year. Seattle, Detroit, Philadelphia, Houston, almost all of them don't you know don't necessarily right. need that guy right now. Or in Houston, has the number two pick, so they don't necessarily have to move up. So I, I guess my question for you for the Lions is: Is there still a chance they move up? Maybe not for the quarterback. Uh, for a different player, maybe move up from 18, move up. You know, how, how do you think the trading is going to go down? Or, or are they, hey, this this the year to stay in Pat and use what you got? Yeah, Shane, it's a good question. Uh, I think they're more apt to stand Pat at six and then use 18. And then, so they also have two second round picks. They have their own pick at 49 and Minnesota's pick at 56. And I don't know if that is the Miami picks included. I that whole thing confused me. I, I, I'll just say that they have their two second-round picks, and they're in that 40 to 50, 60 range, 49 to 60 range. I think they can package those two in the similar vein that they did a year ago when they moved up to 12 to take Jamison Williams. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me at all if they did something like that for the right player. The question is, and you're going to ask it, Shane, because you're a smart guy, who's that player? And I don't know, man. I don't know who that is. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, Lions have a couple, a lot of starters here. I'm looking at the our lads depth chart here. A lot, a lot of guys, free agents on this team. Uh, what UFAs? If Jeff Risden is in the GM chair, what UFAs are you targeting the most to bring back? Like, who are the can't lose guys? I'm actually writing this for Lions Wire. Um, I, I literally put it on pause as we spoke. So that, this is a great question. Uh, I am definitely bringing back – let me think here. Uh, I'm bringing back Deshaun Elliott at safety. Uh, I think he was a very valuable guy. I am bringing back Jamal Williams. I don't want to overpay for Jamal Williams uh, and the accomplishments that he had last year, but he's very important to this football team beyond the, the NFL leading rushing touchdowns. Well, he's not going to do that again. That guy is the perfect, like, clown prince – he's exactly what what a Dan Campbell type of team needs uh and and his energy is so infectious they they would they would not be where they are without him John Kaminsky is 100% coming back he's a guy that I've got to have back he made Aiden Hutchinson better he made Josh Pascal on the other side better he made the entire defense better when they were rock bottom on defense was what was really the four weeks four or five weeks that he was out with a broken thumb they just couldn't do anything without him and it's weird because Atlanta completely gave up on him uh, and he came into Detroit and was like wow this, this guy can really play and play a lot of spots it was so so he is one um I'm trying to think who else was there uh DJ Shark is an interesting one because he's like he's good and at the end of the year he was healthy and very good but they kind of drafted Jamison Williams to be that spot, and you can't really overpay for that when you've also got Amon Ross St. Brown on the roster. So that that was a tough one. Uh, and I am bringing back Michael Badgley at kicker, but he needs competition. 
and I'm not drafting a kicker ever. <laughs> See Shane. Look, 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 I think I think you could take one of the late rounds. You know, this this is what I won't do a decent, it, a decent amount of combine kickers this year, more than I expected. I'll say that, but uh, yeah, I, don't know, I, don't, I don't know if any get drafted though. Um, all right, if you're not going to give me a name, Jeff, then I have to at least ask uh, position wise because. You know, Brian and I are doing mock drafts out here. The Lions usually are a pretty easy team to mock for. You usually got some options and it feels good. This year, it's a little bit tough because, you know, I look at, oh, okay, maybe they take a corner. Well, Jeff Akuda was a top 10 pick, uh, you know, pretty recently. Maybe they, they improve that run defense, take, uh, you know, an interior defensive lineman, but they spent two day two picks in 2021 on that position. Um and they were pretty good this year. So a lot of these players aren't necessarily going to be replaced. Like you said, especially if some get signed back in free agency, what, what might be some positions to, that you think they target uh, or positions that, you know, you would target in that position in uh, the Lions uh, situation here, who should I be mocking to them position wise? Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, they definitely need an outside cornerback. Uh, Okuda will get a chance to prove himself again, but he's not been able to stay healthy. Uh, that's three years in a row that, that that's, you know, the, that clock is ticking. He was very good at the beginning of the season. Uh, and everybody was, and including myself was like, Oh, we finally got our outside corner that we've been missing since we traded away Darius Slay because the coach didn't like him. And then he got hurt and it didn't come back very well. So he and Jerry Jacobs are both like, you can start those guys and be okay, but you can also do better than them. So uh, I, I think outside cornerback, whether it's free agency or uh, or the draft, they need their alpha dog corner. Uh, and again, it can come from either spot, and it wouldn't surprise me if they tried to address with both. Uh, they also need a new slot corner, but it's it's more like a heavy nickel safety type role. Will Harris has been in that role. God bless Will Harris. He played some very good football down the stretch. I've been incredibly hard on that guy for his entire Lions career, and he shut me up. And I'm happy that he did because he's a great guy. <laughs> it was nice to see him rise up. He'll probably be back, but they need somebody more reliably better than him in that spot. I feel like Brian Branch would be awesome uh, as your 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 slot, your 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 safety that plays nickel, plays you know over a tight end, but can also drop back into coverage and play some a little bit of a zone shell if you need to. Uh, he's ideal for me at 18 um, if things play the way they do. They need a right guard. Uh, Evan Brown was the the starter last year in injury related. The two guys above him, Halapula Body Vitae uh, and Tommy Kramer, both got hurt in preseason, both had back surgery in preseason. So Evan Brown, who's normally your backup center, turns into right guard. He was okay at right guard. Started, he was fine. You can do a lot worse. The, the Bengals certainly did a lot worse and darn near made the Super Bowl. But he's sorry, sorry Brian, I had to say. <laughs> He's going to cut me off. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he's going to get paid as a starting center somewhere, and deservedly so. So they've got to fill that hole. Who knows? Look, Vitae and, and Kramer, again, are both probably better guards than him, but back surgery, man, you, you just don't know. Um, the big dudes with back surgery, that scares me. So they got to get a starting right guard at some point. They need a an off-ball linebacker. It's not something they're going to prioritize. That's just not what anybody in this regime does. But especially if Alex Anzalone leaves, they've got to get somebody to play back there with, with Malcolm Rodriguez, last year's rookie, 
Derek Barnes the year before that's a rookie. Uh, they don't really have much else there. So that that's a position where they can look to, to be at. Look, they they run a straight four, two, five. They played three linebackers. I believe it was 11 snaps total last year. That's oh just my. not what they do. It, it's a four, two, five. Uh, it actually come, becomes a five, one, five at times. So it's not something that they, they will prioritize, but it is something that they do need in the middle rounds. Maybe third round, maybe a guy like Dion Henley, um, my guy from Washington State, would be awesome. Uh, a coverage-oriented one would be best. Tight end is they're not they're not they're not doing the first. Uh, and I cringe every time I see somebody mocking them, Michael Mayer or something. That's just this offense doesn't require that kind of a tight end. They need a plugger, do it all type who's going to be good at everything you ask a tight end to do, but not a guy who's going to be exceptionally needy catching the ball. Uh, that's the guy that you take in the fourth or fifth round. Uh, and they have, they have two of those guys already in Brock Wright and Shane Silstra. Uh, and last year's uh, fifth round pick, James Mitchell, who's probably the best blocker in that group already. So I don't see that. Uh, yeah. Backup quarterback. I mean, it, it, it's a big, it is a legitimate big need as much as people don't like to talk about getting a number two quarterback and, the power dynamics that go in it with, oh, you're, you're threatening Jared. No, you're not. You're backing up Jared Goff. He needs a backup uh, better than Tim Boyle, um, better than Nate Sudfeld, better than David Blau, better than Steven Montez, who's been on the Lions for way too long. You know, the, and, and another running back uh, with, uh, with Jamal Williams as a free agent. Justin Jackson is also a free agent. Look, both those guys could be back, but if they're not, you've, you've got to get somebody in there who can, uh, who can move the ball. And that, Depending on free agency there, that's how big of a need that one is. That That's sort of the, your slider. Like, if they both leave in free agency, I don't think that's going to happen. But if it does, like, running back goes to, like, need one on offense and probably number two or number three overall on the team. Well, the good news is, Jeff, you were in a place last week that was loaded with all of these players you described that you need in the middle rounds. Uh, yep. You already mentioned Dion Henley, who me and Shane both love as a player. Um you mentioned right guard. You need one of those. This was a good week to see those guys, Jeff. But who were – start with right guard and maybe talk about some of the other positions that and players that stood out to you as fits for the Lions that we saw at the Senior Bowl this week. Yeah, so I saw a couple of, of right guards. Uh, and it was – one of them was a guy that I'd never seen before, uh, Mr. Chattanooga. Uh, what's his name? What's his first name? McClendon, McClendon Curtis? Curtis. Mm -hmm. Guy impressed me. Uh, again, I had never seen tape of him at all. So I go down there and I'm thinking, okay, you know, I recognize, I recognize the C on the helmet. I was proud of myself. I'm like, that's Chet <laughs> And he was good, like legitimately good. Uh, pl played better than some big school guys that were there and looked like he can move some. He, he was consistent in his engagement. He only got really badly beaten once. That's great for an offensive lineman in senior bowl week, like in one-on-one -on -one reps. I'll take that. So uh, I have not yet studied more tape on him, but that's a guy that I was very interested in coming out of there. Uh, Jarrett Patterson from Notre Dame is a guy. Uh, he had a very, I forget which day it was. He had a rough, one rough day. And he's a guy that he's got to learn to sort of sink the weight a little bit. Uh, he likes to arch the back too much when he absorbs contact. I want to see him you know, push back a little bit, but that's a guy who was very good. Uh, the guy from Ole Miss, um, Broker. Broker was very good as well. And he's the guy that looks like a very good scheme fit. I have watched him some on film. He's and again you're talking you guys think he's what? Probably fourth, fifth round that area. 
Yeah, four, fourth is probably fair. Yeah, uh, that's a great spot to land a starting guard, um, especially when you're when he's going to be playing between Pro Bowler Frank Ragnow and Pro Bowler Panay Sewell. You can afford to go a little bit later on that uh, because those guys are going to help you. <laughs> and and we, we also have fantastic offensive line coach, teacher, instructor, developer, and Hank Fraley. Uh, I love the idea of getting a guy like, like one of those three guys there. Uh, the other thing is the Lions do need a number six lineman, and they use it a lot. They use it more than every other team. They use it over 11% of their snaps last year. Matt Nelson is not that guy. Dan Skipper, I love Dan Skipper. He's a free agent. I hope he cashes in somewhere else. And I say that wanting the best for Dan Skipper because he's a great dude. Uh, so they, they need a guy who can be a sixth lineman. And I, th- I think Broker and uh, Patterson can both do that pretty well too. Is there anyone down there that disappointed you? We, we, we were talking before you came on that, you know, people – Players don't hurt themselves much in the all-star <laughs> games, uh, ultimately. But is there anyone that you, that you watch? You're like, oh, you know, I'm staying away. Maybe it's just a bad week. But th- th- this was uh, st- stood out in the opposite light. Um, the quarterbacks, like, overall didn't do as much as I hoped. And maybe that's you know, me being making them a victim of expectation. I don't know. Everybody talked about how great Jake Hainer was. That's all these reports were. I didn't see that. Much. I'm, I'm not going to say that he was bad. I thought he was great in the game. I thought he was better in the game than he was in practices. Uh, and that um, he was one Jaron Hall I wanted to see a little bit more out of. Um, I think uh, a couple of wide receivers I wanted to see more out of. Ryan Bell actually is one. Um, a Michigan guy. I, I live by Michigan. I go to a couple of Michigan games every year. I don't think he played very well down there. Um, he, he padded his stat totals by double catching every ball that was thrown to him. Uh, that 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 wasn't what he did at Michigan, so that that's a little bit weird. You know, maybe it's the fact that he didn't have JJ McCarthy throwing him the ball. Maybe it, you know you got to factor those things in. But he didn't help himself. Um, where you know, on the flip side, you know, his rival uh, Jaden Reed, I thought was arguably one of the biggest winners of the week from from Miss Michigan State. Uh, so now now the culture wars around me here at Michigan. I'm not affiliated with either team, but everybody else is, and uh, they they really don't like each other. I get how that feels as I am affiliated with neither Alabama nor Auburn. So, but I hear it and see it all the time. Another wide receiver that really just, I had no clue about coming into the week was Michael Wilson from Stanford. And I thought he was awesome in practice and great in the game. Yes, he was. Uh, he and uh, the Nebraska guy, uh, what's his name? Trey Palmer. Trey Palmer, yeah. Tripped, yes, thank you. I still, I still am calling people their name and number. Uh, by the way, Northwestern '96 will always be Northwestern '96. <laughs> he was very good it. too. Yeah, he's <laughs> the reason that everybody was negatively off-put about Jared Patterson because of the one rep that got replayed on Twitter over and over and over yeah. again, where he put him on skates twice in the same play. That shouldn't happen. Yes, he did. Uh, and, and again, that's, you know, that, that's, that's the learning experience. Not everybody's going to win every rep or lose every rep, but yeah, I'm with you on Wilson. Uh, I saw, I was at their game at Notre Dame this year and I, first off, they were really bad this year. Their offense was rough. Um, and having seen Tanner McKee in person, I don't know why anybody would even consider drafting him, but somebody will. Um, that's, this has come that's up on this do, podcast many times. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, he, he, uh, I, I'll be fair to tell you, he didn't have a lot to work with, but apparently he had more to work with than what we thought because we saw a really good wide receiver down in Mobile that he played with. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, for some reason, that, that love just continues. I feel like quarterbacks, man, that happens every year. There's just a couple that people love and, and prop up. Every, everybody's looking for the next Davis Mills, and like the Texans don't want the current Davis Mills. Why are you looking for that? Yeah, like don't put yourself in that position. It's not going to help you at yeah. all. Um, what what are your kind of expectations for the Lions next year as a team? Uh, it seems like we're going to see some turnover potentially in the division if Aaron Rodgers stays with the Packers and the Vikings maybe got a little bit lucky this year. <laughs> uh, so what's your expectations for the Lions? Are you, you optimistic here? Are you uh, pumping them up for a division win, or is this kind of pump the brakes right now? I, I, I dare say this, and, and the Lord might strike me down, and that maybe it was God telling me on the phone not to do that. <laughs> I think they're going to win the NFC North. I really do. <laughs> yeah, they have, I love it. They have a very strong, young core of talent. They've got a very energetic coaching staff that has done a very good job of finding players who fit in and who don't. And it look, the, the way that Dan, Dan Campbell experience has been a roller coaster, but he's always been Dan. And now that it's working, they finished eight and two on the year. That, that, that's, that's not easy to do when you start one and six. Now everybody's like, oh, man, it works there. I love all those coaches, like all the former players that he's got in this. Stuff. Like I'm, I'm going to get better when I go there. Like that's that's a huge marketing asset that a lot of other teams, um, including some that I've covered, cannot say. Like, oh, come here, you know, you, you can play. You know, come here. You're going to get you're going to get coached up. You're going to play better, and we're going to play to your strengths. And you know what? We got a really good young core on both sides of the ball. You can win too. And if, when you win in Detroit. And I, I will make the reference. The picture that's up, up over my shoulder there is a 2016 Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, I'm a Cleveland guy at heart. When you proved, and one of the things that that team did was they found guys who wanted to win, not just win, but win in Cleveland where it had never been done before. There's an appeal to that that will bring guys in. Detroit's won one playoff game in my lifetime. I'm 50. If you can break that curse, like even get to an NFC championship game, like you're, you, you've got the table set, man. You're never buying a drink again in your life. God forbid if you win even more than that. And that that's going to appeal to certain players. And those players are the type of people that Dan Campbell wants because Dan Campbell played. Dan Campbell was on the 0-16 team. He didn't play. He got hurt. God bless him. So I think, yeah, that's the that lure – and that core together is going to be mighty powerful for the next two or three seasons. And I, I do think that they are I'm, – I'm not going to write off Minnesota because that – I know they got fluky this year. That's a good football team. I think they're well coached. I like their general manager a lot, and I think that they have a, a, a solid enough core with star players that they're not going away. Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers is going in the dark, and he stays there. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm, and I'm not going to diss their defense because their defense played really well down the stretch too. Uh, they're not going to go away, but if they don't have Aaron Rodgers, uh, they're not beaten. They're not better than Detroit. No, no chance. Uh, they weren't even better with with him at the end of the season. So, and, and Chicago, they're not ready. They're not. They they are. 
they're a long ways away. Uh, uh, I, look, I've covered both 0-16 teams. I'm shocked that those last Bears were not 0-16 as, or 0-17 as well. That was as bad of a roster at the end of the season as I've seen a team since the 27, or 2018 Cleveland Browns that went winless. Their wide receiving core, uh, we've made fun of it on the Detroit Lions podcast. Tom Kennedy, who is like Mr. Practice Squad in Detroit, absolutely would have been wide receiver one in Chicago in their last four games. Like that's how decrepit that roster is. They are not, I mean, they're, they're going to be better because there's not much direction to go for them, but they're not there yet. So, yeah, I, I think Detroit is legitimately set up very well. Am I being a homer on that? Maybe a little bit, but I, I, I'm feeling it, man. Well, there's obviously no room for homerism on this podcast, Jeff. I'm just going to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Last question, Jeff, and we'll let you go. You talk about players wanting to come to Detroit and play for Dan Campbell, play for this coaching staff, be a part of something bigger. Who are some of these unrestricted free agents that you're going to bring to Detroit this year that's going to put them over the top? I'm looking. I need a. I need a cornerback. I need an outside cornerback. Uh, I'd love James Bradbury, uh, Jamel Dean. Um, uh, I'd even take um, a guy like Sutton. Uh, I think he's a good fit too. Uh, doesn't necessarily have to be an outside guy, but you need you need one of those cornerback safety coverage roles filled in free agency with a veteran. Um, Greedy Williams makes some sense. He's he's lower end, uh, but. But remember, John Dorsey, who drafted him with the Browns, is here in Detroit. He does have some influence on the draft process, so that's that's a possibility. Uh, I'm looking – you need another defensive tackle. And, look, th- this market – it's a. I think it's a decent draft for them, but I also think it's a very good free agent market. I think De'Aaron Payne is going to be too expensive. I think Javon Hargrave, if Philly's stupid enough to let him go, is probably going to be too expensive. But that next tier of guys, they can get somebody in that group. Uh, and then – you know, I'm going to begrudgingly sign a backup quarterback just because I, whether they take Anthony Richardson or whether it's Hendon Hooker in the second round, which I think is probably, I'm going to, I'm again, I'm waiting to be struck down from above here. Probably the most likely thing they do at quarterback this in the draft is wait for Hendon Hooker on day two um, and ride out another year with Jared Goff while he's injured. Uh, that, that's my personal Let's see. It's, it's February eighth. That's where my mind is at right now on what's going to happen with the draft and the quarterback. But you know, subject to change, we'll see about that. But they also need somebody that can come in and, like, let's say Jared Goff bangs his head hand on a helmet and misses four weeks. They need somebody who can come in and go two and two. <laughs> doesn't have to go four and zero. Oh, doesn't have to go three and one. Just two and two. Don't go one and three. Don't go winless. Um, and I, there's a lot of guys that can do that, but it's weirdly hard to find those guys. And, and not overpay for them. Like Jacoby Brissett would be great. I think he's going to cost too much money. So I'm looking at that next tier of quarterbacks. And, you know, Case Keenum comes to mind. Um, Blaine Gabbert's out there if he can possibly fit in and not turn the ball over. Like somebody like that to, to come in. Um, not Baker Mayfield. No, sorry. Been there, done that. No, thanks. Well, Jeff, man, we appreciate you coming on and, and and giving us the guideline of what the lines are going to do in the draft for our future mock drafts. And uh, as always, man, it was great seeing you again last week. I always look forward to sitting in those stands in Mobile and, and, and talking with you uh, during practice. Absolutely. It was great to see you. And Shane, thanks for having me in. You guys do a great job here. I've been catching up on your 
on your work. I, I, I love Draft Countdown. You guys have been around forever. Um, I remember Shane meeting you probably 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, 10, 11, 10, 11 years ago, I think. Yeah. Was, yeah. Uh, so. you, guys, you guys keep churning out great work, man. So keep it up. No, All thanks, right. man. You're you're awesome. Thanks for coming on. All right. Always great. Thanks, appreciate guys. you. Later. See you, Jeff. All that right. was Jeff Risden, the legend of Lions Wire. And uh, like I said, a good friend and uh, always glad to have him uh, come in and join us on the show. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, he's 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 great. I don't think there's anyone that's better at identifying like what what the Lions holes are and how they're going to fill them in the pos- I mean, he 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 hits every possibility has all those names. So, uh he every time we have him on the pod, my Lions mocks change and usually end up being one of the most accurate at the end because he's so good at it. Yeah. When Jeff says the Lions are looking at it, it's like Hendon Hooker's second round. Yeah, like all right, all right. Let's let's go. put that in. Let's second put that in for the next couple of months until we don't. <laughs> right, so, right. So, uh, yeah, Jeff's Jeff's a great guy. Glad to have him on and 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 talk about the Lions a little bit before we close the show. Shane, uh, we did touch on it briefly, but scouting combine invites came out today a little early, right? Yeah, I think it was slightly early. I, I thought it would come out maybe at the end of the week, right before the weekend, usually. But hey, I'll, I'll take the early combine invites. Love it. Yeah. Uh, without giving away what we can sell here, Shane, who are some of the uh, the snubs that uh, that didn't get put on that list? Uh, I, I think one of the biggest positions that got snubbed was running back. I, think I expected more running backs to be there. So guys that had big Shrine Bowls, uh, Xavier Valade from Arizona State, a lot of people thinking might get drafted, Titus Swen from Wyoming, Jordan Mims, Fresno State, um, three guys I expected maybe were on the low end of the combine invite list, but um, that was that position. Then, like linebacker, off ball linebacker, I think there are a lot of guys that parts of the draft community are pumping up, like uh, you know, M- Michael Jones from Syracuse, Carlton Marshall from Troy, who was at the senior bowl. Two senior bowl linebackers didn't make it, Aubrey Miller from Jackson State as well. Aubrey Miller is a little surprising because I thought he was he looks like a weapon out there on defense. And, and remember, these are decided on before the All-Star Circuit. So, you know, what happened at the Senior Bowl and the Shrine don't, and the NFLPA don't play into who gets a combine invite. So, like, B.J. Thompson and Stephen F. Austin. I know a lot of people were looking forward to him um, as an edge rusher down there but because he was going to kind of blow it up. Um, so, yeah, and then uh, Marte Mapu from Sacramento State. So the small school guys got snubbed. I mean, a lot of small school players that I think have a shot to get drafted and I'll have to look at the numbers, but I, I felt like, man, the small school was thin this year from a combine perspective. A couple of names that jumped out to me when we were talking about senior well, Carl Brooks, the uh, interior defensive lineman from Bowling Green. Um, thought he got snubbed. And one of my favorite, uh, you know, day three corner prospects, Kyle of Hallisey from Western Kentucky, had a good Shrine Bowl game. Um no, I don't know how he did practice, um, but I, you know, I thought he was solid enough to get a combine invite. And I'm just going to give you one particular like head scratcher to me. Wide receivers, Jalen Brooks from South Carolina got a combine invite, but Josh Van did not. Now, yeah. I have watched, let's just roughly say, 
every game Josh Van has ever played at the University of South Carolina. And I have watched every game that Jalen Brooks has played at the University of South Carolina. I can tell you which one's the better wide receiver. And I can tell you which one should have been the combat and which one should not. Now, Jalen Brooks is fast, and that's probably why he's here. Josh Van is not, which is probably why he's not here. But I can tell you which one's going to have more of an impact at the NFL because he doesn't drop seven passes a game. So that's uh, that's kind of where I'm where I'm at on the combine invite. Shane, you've got some stuff coming out on this in the next couple of days, right? Yeah, tomorrow we'll have up uh, the combine invite list. If you want to see the list and haven't seen it yet, it'll be up there, so you can always kind of reference it, and I'll I'll toss it up in the uh, on the front page in the toolbar there, and then I'll have my article on the snubs as well, um, going over some players that I think could have a shot to get drafted, but but weren't there. All right, so that's going to bring us to the question and answer portion of the show. I do not think we got any in the Discord, uh, none in the chat right this minute. We do have some old ones in the Discord. I think people were shoveling them in. uh, Well, I'll let you get to those because I did not see them. All right, yeah, yeah. Um, Here we go. Yeah, Sal has some, like last week, I think, to hit on uh, that weren't Senior Bowl related. Yeah. so one of his questions was, is is six seven kind of too tall to play football? Like edge rushers, tight ends, there's not a ton of success from guys that are above six six, uh above six seven, hit that six seven mark and above. You know, we have some of those this year with you know, Darnell Washington from Georgia, the tight end being kind of the big name. Is is that a question to you? Can can a guy be too tall for the pros? That's a good question. Because He's right. <laughs> that that's. I mean, it seems like an arbitrary number, right? Six foot six, right? But there's a crap load of six foot six players that are successful in the NFL. But how many above that succeed? It's rare, right? I mean, this is this is an outlier. We're talking outlier. That's an excellent question. I don't know, and this affects several players in this draft. Uh, Dark. Well, we're going to talk about Darnell Washington here in a minute because we have a. A uh, Twitter question about him, but uh, Dewan Jones, right? He's what six eight, six nine. Um, so yeah, that's a that's an excellent question. Donald Parham uh, was another guy that was like tall, right, for that position, but he played he plays on little matchstick legs. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of times the problem is leverage because you're, you're that tall, you're not going to get lower than the opposite guy. Um, you know, when trying to block them or, or rush the passer, I think in the trenches, uh, tight end, I think maybe there's some, there just hasn't been a lot of them. Like, you know you, like you said, Brian, let's put a, a star by this. Let's pin this yeah. message, Shane. And we're, we're right. going to have uh, on three, one, I reached out today and uh, we've all but confirmed that Kent Lee Platt, uh, the inventor of Raz is going to come on the show right before the combine. And uh, this feels like a, a Kent question. Yeah, that's a good call. Let's let's save that. Uh, Sal also asked. It seems insane that Andre Carter is six foot six and only two hundred fifty pounds. What weight does he need to get up to? Uh, Sal, you asked this question on Friday, and that was after senior role practice and stuff. It got away, and and the the weight showed up big time for Andre Carter. I, I feel two seventy five probably feels good. It's going to take him a little bit to get there because, like I said. These these uh, cadets uh, or midshipmen or I don't know what they call the Air Force guys, but uh, Falcons. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, 
I don't know that. I mean, their diets have to be regimented, right? And we're not exactly talking about weight room, SEC weight rooms here. We ain't got the waterfalls and everything in the in the weight rooms at the academy. They're getting a hell of an education, but maybe not weight room strength. And that showed up big time for Andre Carter. So I, I to answer this question, I feel 275 is a good number. And I think it's going to take him a year in the NFL to get there. I think if he can hit 270, I'm I'm comfortable. Uh, but you're right. Like 275 would be ideal. That's definitely not happening by the combine. I imagine nope. they're going to try to bulk him up at least the 255 by the combine, and, and maybe you can get him a little bit higher. But it's going to be it's going to be a process. Not my push, Andre Carter, to day three. Uh, I think it's going to be tough to invest that top 100 pick in him anymore. Yeah, you're right about that. Uh, let's go to Twitter here where we had a few questions uh, in there earlier today. Um, where would they go? Where'd they go? Where'd they go? I had this queued up and then lost it. Here we go. At the Georgia fan ask, is Georgia tight end Darnell Washington more of a second-round type of player? How do you see him testing athletically? Shane, we actually had a conversation about Darnell Washington on the Discord uh, earlier today. So I'll let you lead with this before I get all giddy. Uh, it, it's it's really tough. And I, I think when we talk to Kent uh, in a couple weeks, Darnell Washington, along with that height question, will be a big factor because the, the RAS score, the relative athletic score, does take height, weight, size into account. And so Darnell Washington doesn't have to you know light up the combine with a four or five when you're you're as big as he is. Um, at tight end, I think we have them listed on the site six seven two sixty five. Like it's pretty impressive. Um, I I tend to think he's more of a second round pick, just because it, what you know what schemes he fitting in for a lot of these teams. I think a lot of teams are going to be hesitant. Well, is he going to be more of a blocking tight end? Uh, how do we use him as a weapon? I, I think teams are going to be uncomfortable with exactly how to use Darnell Washington. But I think there's a chance that his RAS score ends up pretty good if he is mildly athletic. Like he's not going to be Jelani Woods, but if from last year who had a 10 RAS. But if he could be mildly athletic at that size, then his RAS score might be better even than a, a Dalton Kincaid, um, a Tucker Craft, a Michael Mayer, those kind of players. Yeah. Um, also, and to go back to that arbitrary height question we had earlier, who's to say he doesn't measure in at six six at the combine? Because six seven's a six seven's a Georgia number. That don't make <laughs> it a real number. Um I was on the Bengal Gym and Friends podcast last night, and we were talking about where the Bengals may go at 28. And I mentioned Darnell Washington's name, and I've almost talked myself into this, or definitely talked myself into a tight end along with Luke Musgrave, Dalton Kincaid, Michael Mayer, you know, whoever may or may not be available at the 28th pick because the Bengals currently have zero tight ends under contract for the 2023 season. So I, yeah, sorry about that. At some point they're going to have to address that position. So I thought Darnell Washington uh, might fit that. Um, at underscore bam underscore 19 asked Shane, uh, what day three players do you believe could be impact players uh, year one. It's a good question. I, I think we're going to have a lot of impact running backs on day three. Uh, I think when you look at it, uh, you know, Deuce Vaughn from Kansas State, 
um, that small but can get some usage. Maybe you have someone like Sean Tucker from Syracuse fall into day three can get some work. I think, I think that's big. And I think the offensive line, like uh, you know, talk senior bowl, Nick Saldaveri from old dominion. I don't know if he gets day two draft capital, but is a potential you know, starting offensive lineman that you might be able to get in round four. I think those interior starting offensive linemen are out there. So that's the name I like. And I think the corner group is pretty deep. I think some of these underclassmen corners, Carrington Valentine from Kentucky, um, Alex Austin from Oregon State, DJ Turner, Michigan, maybe some go round three, but I think there's going to be some of the fall of day three and have an impact. I think history tells us running back, like you said, and in the interior offensive line are the positions that are going to provide rookie value as day three picks. And corner as well, as we saw last year with Tariq Woolen. Uh, the Chiefs with uh, Joshua Williams and uh, Jalen Watson. So day three, those three positions, I think, is where you're going to see value. You're rarely going to see a quarterback or any of them have the immediate impact. Uh, my old buddy Jay Soderberg at the Real Pod Vader asks, as a Pats fan, better to draft offensive tackle at 14, assuming it's one of Skaronsky, Johnson, or even Daywan Jones, or cornerback, What's the depth like at those positions for potential, potential starters, second, third round? And he's not asking regarding wide receiver because he just don't think the Patriots is going to do that. Yeah, they got Enkil Harry and the first that one time. That was good, right? Uh, <laughs> it worked out for the Patriots. Um, yeah, don't have Bill Belichick take a first-round receiver, I guess. I, I'd say offensive tackle. I think that's the way you want to go. A, I think they're going to get pushed up. I think guys like Dewan Jones, Anton Harrison, Darnell Wright all get first-round consideration. So you might, if you end up having five offensive tackles go in the first, it's going to be a lot harder to find one later. And um, corner, I think, is a lot deeper, like we just talked about. I think you can find a third or fourth round guy. Get it, get a Tyreek Stevenson in day two, and boom, you can plug and play for Miami. You can plug and play him as a starter. Um, Riley Moss from Iowa. You know, Belichick has those those Kirk Ferentz ties at Iowa. I could really see him being a starter. Uh, but you get them around two or three, I think corner is the position to wait on. Yeah. New England, if nothing else, has to get bigger at the corner position. They are mighty small out there on the uh, on the perimeter there. Uh, that's all the questions we have tonight. Uh, Dwayne pops in the chat. Great show as always, guys. Appreciate you watching us, Dwayne, as always. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's going to that's gonna do it, man. Yeah. Uh, Final thoughts, Senior Bowl, Combine, Jeff uh, Risden, and what he had to say about the Lions. It was great. It was great having Jeff on, man. He's fantastic. Uh, we're going to have some Super Bowl stuff coming up. Brad and Miranda are each taking one team for the Super Bowl and their path to the Super Bowl, which will be exciting. I'll be doing some Super Bowl prop bets on Sunday. Uh, got some weird ones really digging into Rihanna and what song she's going to start with. So uh, we're, we're making a big bet there. Um, I, look, last year I did well. I had Stoop Dog being the first one to come out. I, I won some decent cash on that. So I'm hoping this year those will come through for me. Always bet the over on the national anthem, right? Yep. yep always I'll, bet the always, over. Look, it's getting short. It's getting tighter. Uh, the books are getting better, but I always bet the over. Always bet the over. Uh, my contributions have been lighter lately because, well, health issues are a mother. And it's like it's – so I'm, I'm going to try to have some stuff up next week, uh, including my rankings updated um, as well. But um, hopefully by Friday I'll find out – 
what it's going to take to be able to use my left arm again. So fingers crossed Good news, that, uh, that, 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 uh, that that happens, but that's going to do it for tonight's episode. If you are uh, new to the YouTube channel, like if you popped in just to watch Jeff talk about the Lions tonight and you haven't subscribed to the channel, please go ahead and do so. Uh, subscribe, like the videos. If you listen to us uh, on an audio platform, be it Spotify or Apple Podcasts or others, uh, review the podcast, five stars preferably, and uh, share it on out with uh, on your social media platforms. Uh, you can follow me, as always, on Twitter, uh, at Deep Fried Draft. Follow Shane on Twitter, at Shane P. Howell. Follow Draft Countdown on Twitter, at Draft Countdown. And go to Draft countdown.com for all of your draft needs. Brad coming up with a mock draft on Monday. So everybody look forward to that. Uh, For Shane, I'm Brian. Good night, everybody.